and welcome to another edition of Digging Deeper with Brian Hale. Brought to you by Hale Multimedia, website and mobile app development for over 25 years. That's HaleMultimedia.com. Now listen in and join me online at DiggingDeeper.us. Okay, this is part of our ugly truth segment, the scourge of human trafficking. First, let's define it. We found a website that gave us a good definition. What was that, Andy? So this website, Safe Horizon, defines human trafficking as the practice of exploiting adults and children for use as commodities or objects in conditions of sexual and labor servitude. Also known as modern slavery, human trafficking is the illegal trade in human beings through recruitment or abduction by means of force, fraud, or coercion for the purposes of forced labor, debt bondage, or sexual exploitation. The description states that human trafficking victims are often forced through sexual, physical, or psychological violence to perform work under slavery-like conditions. That's why they call it modern slavery. Um, They also use a variety of coercive measures to control their victims. They can lure them with false promises. Um, They withhold identification or work authorization, especially um, illegal immigrants. Um, Demand repayment for alleged debt. They also can um, monitor or surveil their activities and then blackmail them into servitude. So there are several ways they, they get a hold of their victims. Uh, victims may be forced to live in subpar conditions, like living in the same place they work or living in a space that doesn't have heat or running water, uh, sharing the same small space with a lot of people. They're not allowed to talk to anyone or without supervision. They may be coached on how to respond to questions from others. So there are several ways people can be trafficked. But it looks like there are some, regardless of immigration status, all people that work in the United States, according to this website, it says all humans have the right to be paid at least minimum wage, mm-hmm. have a safe and healthy workplace, not be held in a job against their will, keep their passport and other identification documents in their possession. They should be able to report abuse without retaliation. They should be able to leave an abusive employment situation and get help from unions, immigrant, and labor rights groups and other organizations. If these things are happening, this is a sign of human trafficking. Right. Exactly. We have some statistics here from 2017 that you were saying, Andy, that another source says you could add. Tell me a little more about that. Another source was also stating that human traffic reporting, you know, nobody's ever ever thought about human trafficking as much as we do right now because the reporting keeps increasing and they said that the reporting has increased about 20 percent every year for the last three years Mm. so these numbers are huge but they're not near what they are now so i had 20 percent for every year Mm -hmm. so that's in five years that's doubling right so 2017 statistics say that 25 million people are the victims of forced labor. 16 million people are trafficked for forced labor in private companies. 
4.8 million people are trafficked for forced sexual exploitation and another 4.1 million people are trafficked for forced labor in state-imposed labor facilities. It is estimated that 20.9 million people are trafficked worldwide. Again, these are 2017 statistics anywhere ranging, as you can see, from a few million up to 25 million people at any given time. Women and girls are disproportionately affected by human trafficking, accounting for 71% of all victims. And again, I think that's because in 2017, people weren't looking at guys. Correct. We now know that men are just as vulnerable to being trafficked as women are. They're disappearing everywhere. In fact, mm -hmm. a friend of ours has really focused her attention, and Valerie has done a fantastic job of trying to uh, bring awareness to the missing men that are just mysteriously vanishing all over the United States and the world. Healthy, strong, young men who have no intention of leaving their situations just vanishing. Yeah. So obviously the 71% of all victims are women and girls has decreased because of the awareness that anybody can be trafficked. Right, because these are 2017 statistics, which technically takes us back four years. Mm -hmm. But what we're going to focus on in this special report is the backyard phenomenon. You may have heard of NIMBY, N-I-M-B-Y. People say, oh, sure, that happens, but not in my backyard. Got it. Well, it is in your backyard, and human trafficking exists in your hometown. And I know that's going to be hard for many of you to believe, and I challenge you to go look for it, and I, I challenge you to go do something about it once you find out it's happening. But we met a young lady that is a victim of child sex trafficking right here in our hometown, right in our backyard, right here in our town and we had a chance to talk with her at length face to face and this young lady is willing to speak out and tell her story and we're going to help her so in the future you will hear from our human trafficking victim meanwhile we want to bring you a special report from the megan kelly show let's listen in we begin with the story of a mother's promise to seek justice for her daughter that promise led them on an eight-year journey that ended this month at the White House. When Nicole's daughter, who we are calling J.S., ran away, upset over a bad grade, the teenager was lured into a nightmare situation. At just 15 years old, she says she was sold, sold, it's happening in America, to hundreds of men for sex. Mostly on the website Backpage.com. At the family's request, we are not giving their full names in order to try to protect their identities. But watch, watch this. Some of my favorite hobbies are collecting porcelain dolls and um, playing soccer, of course. JS grew up in a typical middle-class home with a great family. I was a, a happy kid. I did sports, played musical instruments, violin, piano. I was really kind of like the jack of all trades, wanted to do everything. I was really happy. 
At 15 years old, she started to fall behind in one of her classes. Scared to show her parents her report card, she made a plan. I ran away, got on a city bus, never done that. Didn't even know how city buses worked. I was like, everything's fine. She made her way to a homeless shelter, where she met a young woman who promised to help take care of her. The two went to a party where she was raped. Before that party, she was a virgin. I wanted to keep my innocence for like a, a special person and like I, I wasn't able to. She then met Baruti Hobson, who invited her to stay with him. Within days, the 15-year-old was having sex with Hobson and started working for him as a prostitute. Hobson took provocative photos and posted them to sites like Backpage.com. He really capitalized on the fact that my parents would be highly disappointed and not love me anymore. I'm dirty. He was very convincing in all of that. While working for Hobson, she was arrested in a sting operation, where J.S. told the police officer that she was 18 years old, and they let her go. But before she left, an officer took a photo of her. Later, as her parents kept pushing, investigators were able to use that photo to track her down to a posting on Backpage.com and planned a rescue operation to save the 15-year-old J.S. To see her come home and have that light gone out of her eyes was... Um was painful. I didn't think it would ever return. She told investigators that she was sold up to 15 times a day. She had long, beautiful brown hair. She had that sparkle in her eye. And I picked her up and her hair was very short and choppy and her nails were done and she, she just didn't even look like herself. I didn't even, I'm looking around this parking lot for my child and um, didn't realize that the child in the back of the police car was, was my child. Joining me now, we referred to her as J.S. in the tape, but now she says she's comfortable using her name. Jessica, welcome. You're Hi. here with your mom, Nicole. Thank yeah. you both so much for being here. Um, I, I just, I have to say, Nicole, what you did to save your daughter is nothing short of heroic. We're going to walk the audience through it because there are other parents out there right now who don't know what to do with their missing child or their child who's chosen to leave. Um, but let's go back to the beginning. You're, you're a successful kid, right? Honor roll? Yeah. Uh, varsity soccer? And uh, wrestling, went to state in wrestling. So Violinist. You were happy. Yeah. I mean, it wasn't like a broken family. It wasn't, it, wasn't, it wasn't an abusive situation. No, it was. I had great parents, great siblings, good in school. So how is it, because we send the tape piece, you got a bad grade. Your one sibling went to college or left, left home. What was it? What was the trigger that made you run away? Um... Bullies in school. Uh, girls didn't understand why a girl would want to wrestle. Uh, and I, I, I didn't want to disappoint my parents. And so I figured just leaving would totally, you know, they can't be disappointed if I'm not there. So that was. You got on a bus? Yep. And wound up in downtown? Seattle. Seattle. No, nowhere, not knowing anything? Nothing. I didn't even know north. Like, I didn't know any directions, anything. We talk in the piece about the fact that you were, you were raped and that changed everything for you. You, you, weren't, you didn't see yourself the same no. again after that. No. Because after that you came back, you were returned home for about 10 uh, days. For 10 days. Yeah. And you left again. No, oh, I, I, I was gone for 10 days the first time I left and I was home for about two months okay. and then I left again. You left again. Why did you leave that second time? Um, I just didn't. I don't know. I, I really was dealing with a lot of shame, and um, I don't think any parent knows how to, you know, take that on. And it was—I uh, just didn't feel 
like I belonged there. And that's, it, it, that's when, the second time when yes. the sex trafficking started happening. Yes. How do you, how do you, how does it happen, you know, in your head? How do you go from a girl who has been raped and not long ago was the, quote, normal American girl to sitting in a hotel room with, you know, your trafficker making you subject yourself to 15 men a day? It happens faster than you can imagine. It's just so much manipulation. And at one point you start believing that this is, you know, what you're meant to do and that it's, it's not necessarily a bad thing. And then you just shut down mentally and emotionally and you just kind of go through the motions and you don't, you don't really think about anything else, just trying to survive. And how long was the period that you were doing that? 108 days. 108 days. And the entire time, mom, was fighting in every way she knew how to find her daughter, um, which was harder than, than it should be. <laughs> when was the first time you heard of Backpage.com? Not until the trial um, of Baruti Hobson. Okay, so you didn't know about that when you were searching for her. Because I didn't. Now this has been outed. We talked about it on our show when we did a show on sex trafficking. as it, It's basically a clearinghouse for, for young girls who are for sale. And it's been operating in America for a long time. Uh, with impunity for far too long because they say, hey, it's not us. We don't place the ads. You know, we don't, we don't have responsibility over all the ads that come in here. And so just before that, though, how was it you connected with the detective who said, I'm going to find her? So we were actually searching a different website for our daughter. We were searching um, Craigslist, who came before Backpage, and that's where we were looking for her. Mm-hmm. Um, and basically, we, we connected with the detective um, just through missing picture uh, one ads. Uh, we had, were distributing um, flyers of our child everywhere and anywhere we could. Um, and um, he, she had been arrested while she was missing, but they returned her to the pimp because they couldn't prove who she was. And um, when, we, when he saw her missing persons ad, he's like, oh, I've seen this child before. And that's when he started trying to, to, to find her again. So how did he find you? Um, they did a sting and acted as if they were somebody soliciting sex and uh, ended up arresting me in the hotel room. And, and did you know that he was there on a mission from your parents? Like no, this is... not at all. Can I just jump back one step? When the, the men, because we talked about this with the, the other women who spoke out about this, the men who would pay for, for you, pay, what was there a typical profile? Like, who were these guys? Um, I really, I don't think there's a profile for them. It's everybody, fathers, businessmen, lawyers, um, black, white, Asian. I mean, it's every, it's everybody. So it's not, I mean, you saw guys in suits with wedding rings come in. Yep. Did they pay you or did they pay your trafficker? They would, they would give it to me, and then if I didn't immediately afterwards give it to my trafficker, then I'd be beat. And so it was, it was never, nothing went to me. Mm-hmm. Were you low during that time? I mean, were you having any feelings of, you know, depression, or was it something like, I'm free and I've broken out of this existence? How, how was that for you? Um, I was definitely a, a low point in my life. I, I was ashamed of myself and I didn't think that my parents would ever want me back and I just had accepted this lifestyle and um, figured I would die doing it.
And we're back now with Jessica and her mom, Nicole. We have been hearing about how Nicole launched an eight-year legal and legislative battle to get justice for her daughter after Jessica was sold for sex on Backpage.com. Also with us now, Mary Mazio, director of the documentary I Am Jane Doe, which chronicled the legal battles against Backpage.com, including Jessica's story. Welcome, Mary. Thank you so much. Um, so the detective saves you. Do you still talk to him? Uh, yes, actually. Yeah. Is it true you keep in touch every year? Yeah, he calls me on my birthday, and he's actually the godfather of my oldest child. I love that. I love that, because he easily could have returned you back home and never spoken to you again. Yeah, um, it's, it's things like that that really make everything so much better. Yeah, Just, restore yeah. your faith in yeah. humanity. Not all men are or, meeting up in hotel rooms exactly. and taking advantage of 15-year-old girls. Some men rescue them yeah, same and, and stay in their lives forevermore. Nicole, um, you, <laughs> one after the other, went after everyone. All right. So we started with the sex trafficker, yes. um, Baruti Baruti Hopkins. Okay, and what happened to Baruti? Um, he was sentenced to 26 and a half years. Okay, that's number one. Then you decided to go after one of one of the Johns. So we had completed that um, battle with Baruti Hobson, and um, Detective Geyer came to us and needed to re-interview Jessica. Um, he had found her picture on a computer of a purchaser or a John. And um, this guy was posing as a police officer and um, handcuffing and, and doing just extraordinary things to his victims. Um, he got 14 years. He got 14. So she wasn't done yet. So now she decides she's going to go after Backpage.com, which no one has been able to bring down, notwithstanding the fact that it's been out there doing this for a long time. And they rely on the First Amendment, saying it's the First Amendment. We don't, you know, like they, whatever. You can't shut us down because of the First Amendment. And this is Nicole winds up not only suing Backpage in a civil action, um, but pushing to get the law changed in several states and pushing for national legislation that would shut down Backpage and protect women everywhere. In her testimony before Congress, Nicole testified. This is a middle class woman just fighting fighting the good fight. She, she testifies as follows. That claim to be protecting First Amendment rights while at the same time allowing my little girl to be sold on a website as a weekend special is wrong. And she won that fight too. So Mary, can you explain how? So the, the, what, tell, tell the audience what has just happened to Backpage. So we created a film we had a congressional briefing and members of Congress said we need to respond to what these plaintiffs, um, there's been egregious wrong here. We really need to step forward. Mm -hmm. And so that's what happened. And last year there was legislation that was filed both in the House and the Senate and um, Google funded groups were the primary opponent. Google funded groups had rushed to the aid of Backpage in uh, Jess's case Citing and in other cases speech. around the country that other children were filing. In Boston, there were children that filed suit and the court dismissed that case saying, even if Backpage had engaged, if you will, as a co-conspirator in the crime, because of an outdated internet law, we have to dismiss the case. Go to Congress. That's exactly what they've done. And in spite of all odds, um, that legislation was signed by the president just two weeks ago. And Nicole and Jessica 
stood next to President Trump as he signed that bill into law. And you remember this because President Trump gets credit for doing nothing. <laughs> this was a good thing this was to a big do. Deal. It was. And I have to say, um, uh, I'm, a, I'm a lefty, and so I don't really agree with many of the president's policies. I will say when, he, when we were in there in the Oval Office, he was compassionate. He was kind to Nicole and Jessica and all of the other survivors there. He kept rubbing the back of one of the mothers, mm -hmm. and I thought, this is... Ex <laughs> sympathetic because her child will never come home yes yes he was, it was a rub of sympathy yeah yeah it was a kind gesture yep. um but and the kindest uh, gesture of all was his signature on that bill. absolutely yes, it should have been done long ago so it's not over it's not over because the next step they believe is is foreign agents are going to try to open up their own back pages here in our country to try to avoid our laws this fight is ongoing and we have to stay on top of it. We, I, hope you're, I hope you're not giving up now that, like, I hope you're not done. We are in the midst of the criminal investigation against um, the owners of Backpage. Right. The owners of Backpage uh, have, been, have been charged. Yes, yes. there yes. was. Um, There's seven week. Backpage uh, exactly. creators nine. and, and uh, employees who have been, nine now, who have no, been charged. 90, they're held on 93 counts. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and, and seven, seven who have been charged uh, with facilitating prostitution and other related crimes. They, they have yet to have their day in court. Um, but the founder, is it the founder? Or the yeah, Carl, Carl Ferrer, the CEO, just pled guilty. Um, and so that is going to give the government a lot more information and evidence He's about turned. what was happening behind the scenes. He's turned. Because he knew, he knew. All right, I have to get to this because Google has given us a statement saying, we have long contributed to many independent organizations because of their advocacy on a wide range of Internet issues, including privacy, surveillance reform, and the open Internet. We don't agree with every group 100% of the time, but they are independent and autonomous organizations. I really? <laughs> really? I'm going to have Okay, to sorry. I don't want to go off on a rant, but one of the primary opponents to this legislation has been Google and Google-funded groups, and we were bumping into them up and down the hill. Mm -hmm. um, and so that was extraordinary for a company whose motto is don't be evil, to be actively funding groups that were supporting Backpage and filing huge briefs in the cases against the children and against the the plaintiffs. For them, it's a First Amendment issue, but there, there's a real question about whether the First Amendment, how far does it go in protecting in the technology and the Internet age, a group like this that is facilitating repeated crimes against our youngest and most innocent. We did reach out to those back page defendants. We only heard from one, Andrew Padilla, who maintains his innocence and says there are First Amendment free speech issues here that he'll argue in court. We want to tell you that if you or someone you know may be the victim of sex trafficking, call, call the National Human Trafficking Hotline at 1-888-373-7888. And that does it for another edition of Digging Deeper. Visit our website to catch this podcast and many others anytime. You can also watch our live TV network, browse our on-demand content, read our controversial articles, or sign up if you feel led to join the cause for defending our Constitution. It's all on diggingdeeper.us. 
We appreciate you listening, and remember, visit diggingdeeper.us to learn more about what we're doing to bring truth to light.